I was um, recently at the gathering spirit rock of uh, teachers from America and Europe and the main theme of this gathering was how we can incorporate climate change into the into the teaching and you know most of all how can we speak about it without um, you know making people feel so uncomfortable that they don't want to come back <laughs> and this is kind of a conundrum because if we really want to speak honestly about the situation then uh, you know, if you don't feel uncomfortable when you think about the situation, then you either have worked through a lot of this material already or you are really completely cut off. So, you know, it's, it's really a very a complex issue and it's very complex to communicate it and I just have read a lot about it and I try to kind of translate it into simple language, trying to communicate what I feel is going on and I feel very concerned and when I think about teaching there's actually nothing else I'd like to speak about in terms of Dhamma of course but is for me the most uh, burning issue and everything else pales in, in front of the theme of climate change I feel and you know polls which have been made in I think last year they say that about 70% of, of people here in America consider that climate change is a real issue and that we have a big problem here but at the same time those people, they, most of them, they also think that we, you know, that we don't stand a chance, really, and that we we don't know what to do, which is actually completely wrong, because we know very well what we need to do, and we do have the know-how and we do have the skills to do it. But there's this emotional block that, you know, all of us, I can, I can observe it even in myself, of course, that when we hear of something, of a big thing which is happening, which is forever changing our situation, like a shock, so to say, you know, when somebody, a loved one dies, or when you suddenly, you know, have a diagnosis that you have cancer, or maybe have a, a big accident, or something like that, this is so big that Usually it takes us some time to really take it in. It's kind of a shock is occurring. Trauma. And then we tend, normally we tend to shut down and, uh, you know, go in disbelief for some time. And there's like different phases how, you know, an average human being works through a traumatic uh, news. Starts with disbelief and then, you know, anger and then, if we don't stop there, you know, if we really digest it, if we let it sink in into our being, then we emerge from it, usually strengthened. Because, you know, these issues of uh, old age, sickness and death, impermanence, this is just part and parcel of, of being a human being. And because it is part and 
parcel of being a human being, we do have the innate strength and also intelligence to deal with those things if we open ourselves to it rather than turning away of it from it. And around climate change, there are so many very confusing messages given out. Scientists tell us, you know, the situation is really urgent, the situation is really um, influencing every detail of, of our lives from, you know, water and air and food and, I mean, there's nothing which is exempt. And there's these, you know, big corporations which are still interested to not change the ways of producing and, and selling goods and they try to dilute this information. So there's a lot of confusing information and people find it uh, difficult, you know, what to believe. Even I think people who come here usually, I, I think, are more better informed and have more capacity to open up to very unconvenient truth. But actually, you know, being a human being living in the world, the discomfort holds always a message for us. For example, you know, if we are going too close to fire, it becomes very hot, we feel it's, this is dangerous, and this is a good information. If we don't have this information, if we don't take this comfort to heart and see what is what is what is it telling us? You know, we will we will not be able to make it for a long time. So nature is is built like this. This comfort has has information for us, and we can develop what's called like a in system theory a feedback loop, negative feedback loop. You know, we we get a sign of discomfort, and then we adjust our way how we go about life, and then. You know, when the next sign comes, we adjust again and again, and through that we can stay on course. And at the moment, we're getting huge, huge signs that the worldviews we are living by are not anymore adequate to the conditions. But you know, those signs and those those um, situations, they have been with us human beings since we have you know lived in the caves. There were always, you know, times when the old way of living wasn't any more adequate and there was a lot of dissonance and then we had to make a shift. So it's not like for the first time. It has happened many, many times. And, you know, we have come a, a long way. You know, human beings like, like us, similar to us, live on this planet for about 250,000 years and that's how we have evolved, you know, from using uh, very simple stone tools and, and, you know, living in caves to live like we live now. We have always taken these negative feedback loops as as a ladder, really, to, to climb up, so to say, in terms of, you know, developing a lot of, of skills which are very complex. So, you know, evolution has this inbuilt intelligence and, and, uh, we are part of it. So there is something much bigger happening than just what a human brain can understand. There's something much bigger happening than, you know, we can't objectify it or we can't really 
conceptualize it. We have to also try to work with with this intuition. It's not you know, that we have to throw all of our intelligence, our reasoning overboard, but that we have to balance it with with our intuition, with with the, what the heart knows. And I found a very beautiful um, sentence here of um, Thomas Berry, who is an American. He was a priest, and he was also one of the first eco-philosophers in America. And what he says is very beautiful. He says, you know, the universe itself is the primary sacred scripture. So, you know, the evolution of the universe from the Big Bang until today tells the story. We don't need necessarily you know, to have uh, religious scriptures. We can just see this amazing process, you know, which is like a one big example of impermanence and one big example of uh, something much, much greater than ourselves, and we are part of it. But uh, you know, the dominant worldview in the society we are living in, in this consumerist society in this, you know, very much dominated by technology and rational thinking, the worldview really we are living by is from the 17th, 18th century. It is not adequate anymore for the conditions we are meeting now because when this worldview came into the mainstream, uh, there was about a fifth of the population on the planet than what is now. And there was still a stable climate, and there were still lots of resources. And at that time, one could live like this. This is a, what was called the Age of Reason or the Enlightenment, which has started in Europe with the René Descartes, and and then also in England with um, Isaac Newton, where they were just, you know, coming out from the. Uh, Middle Ages, basically, where where big parts of society were very oppressed by by aristocracy and by by the church, and then you know people really were fed up after living for hundreds of years like that, and they were you know kind of insisting on that they can think for themselves, and and then you know this and this kind of uh, Thinking had its place then because it was really necessary in order to break free from an earlier worldview which had lost its validity at that time. And now we live in this kind of thinking, you know, the age of reason since the 17th century, so like good three, four hundred years. And now the conditions have changed because there's many, many more people on the planet. And we can't anymore live like this, you know, that everybody just thinks for themselves. We have to now come again to a way of thinking where we are thinking more as we rather than as just me. Because there is too many people and there is too little resources. This way of uh, operating is outmoded. But still, you know, our media and our polit- politicians and, and, and to a big extent also, you know, the education systems, they still function and they still teach this. And we also have been taught like this about, you know, 
that we are on top of this planet and we can manipulate everything. If we just study a lot and we become really very skillful and intelligent, we can make a lot of money, we can be really safe and we can, you know, we, we are in control. This is how I have been taught. And, you know, we, now we are coming to the, when we are already in it, you know, we are already fully in that uh, situation where that is not the case, really. Because obviously, you know, with all of this uh, intelligence which we thought we have, we, there were so many things which we didn't consider because we couldn't, we couldn't see them. You know, so many details of this very complex web of life which makes up this planet and which, you know, make, we are part of it. For example, you know, so just one little thing not functioning, you know, one kind of insect dying out and then certain processes isn't happening anymore in nature and then crops are failing and this is such a, amazing system because it's it's all one and you know with our little brains which are still you know functioning as maybe a brain in the 17th 18th century we can't see it so and this is why I find this a very beautiful um, quote of Thomas Berry when he says that uh, he says the universe itself is a primary sacred scripture because you know it, it has in it uh, uh, inherent guidance and and meaning, and you know it breaks all our concepts of how things work. Because we can't understand it with the thinking mind; it's much too big. But we can trust it, you know, if we have heart, you know, that we can respect it, and you know that we can. Uh, open ourselves to it even we don't understand it with the thinking mind but there's something much more powerful than what the thinking mind can understand and you know the time has come that that we all have to you know be willing to be uncomfortable long enough so that this process can happen because you know we, we get the news now we you listen what I say then there's lots of books to read very good books and then you know we get it in here into the brain into the intellect but then we have to really be with it and sit with it and digest it and and this is you know that uh, involves a, a certain amount of discomfort and feeling guilty, you know, feeling despairing, feeling not knowing what to do and all of that. But if we don't allow that process to happen, then we're never going to know what to do. Because the capacity, you know, to know what to do and the strength to act and the will to act is the result of taking in the news and digesting them like it has been many, many times in your life, I'm sure. And it wasn't maybe not about globe, you know, like climate change, but other uncomfortable news. There have been several in my life where I thought in the beginning, you know, when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's the end of the life I wanted to live. Now I'm not interested anymore because this is too bad. I don't want, I don't want to be with this. But then, you know, when I, had anywhere I didn't have a chance other than accepting it because, you know, 
we can struggle against it, but it doesn't change anyway. So, you know, accepting it, opening up to it afterwards. Sometimes it took a long time. Sometimes it took years to really realize that that was actually a, a stepping stone to a greater maturity and, you know, more wisdom and compassion, basically, through experiencing something which was shattering my previous way of seeing how things have to be in order for me to be happy. So, and I think this so-called, you know, climate crisis, which is here right now, and which, you know, will be here for many, many more generations to, to deal with and clean up, you know, the mess. But at the same time, it is a, a great learning opportunity. And this is how uh, this miraculous cosmos, you know, seems to work. It again and again, you know, comes to a, like a, a what we call, can we call it a bottleneck, you know, and then it won't stop there. Species or the, the things which are not able to adapt to the shift, they'll just change into something else. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard that this, uh, you know, at the moment, we are in the midst of what's called the sixth mass extinction since the Big Bang. And, you know, the last one was um, before the dinosaurs came. There was a, a big mass extinction because a meteor hit, uh, hit planet Earth. And, and then there was, you know, a lot of um, life died. And there was so much ash in the sky that the sun couldn't come through. So it cooled down very much the planet for millions of years. And there was very little food here so many animals died out and then you know after that there was again uh, an explosion of life and it has happened like that this is the sixth time we are in the midst of it because the rate with, with which a species are dying at the moment is is faster than it was like uh, before before in the industrial revolution so since since the industrial revolution something very big is happening here and it's directly linked with the activity of human beings. There's no doubt about that. I think 97% of the scientists are of one mind about this. It has something to do with what we are doing, you know. But the thing is, you know, we didn't know that for a very long time. But we, since about 30 years, we start to, the, the, you know, the message starts to spread. It has something to do with how we are acting. And if we keep on going like this, we wipe ourselves also off. And we really, we have, we do have a choice. And, you know, and in a, if we see that whole situation in a bigger context, and I think this is very important to see it in a bigger context, to see what is the learning uh, here, you know, what, what is the learning which we have to make which the situation of the climate crisis is actually supporting, you know. And the learning is to, you know, step out of the age of reason, basically, which has served, you know, people who wanted to come out from under the Middle Ages into the Enlightenment age, 
But now, you know, we are, we are at the end of the Enlightenment age because that is a too limited worldview because it treats the world as a machine and the human beings also as little machines, you know, who are running around and once they have understood all of the laws, how these machines work, then they are in complete control. But it's obviously not working, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have produced so much pollution. If we would really be in control, we would have made something much more beautiful. But we, of course, we are not in control because we can only recognize, you know, a certain depth of the process, but we, we really do not, we are not able to fathom the mystery of this universe. And, you know, we are waking up to the fact that we are actually part of it. We are not like on top of it looking what's going on and then manipulating it. It doesn't work. We are much too small-minded for this. And that's also not our our place because we are part of it. And, and the climate crisis basically, you know, is, is uh, the impetus which can actually give us the energy to catapult ourselves into the next worldview. And we can cooperate with that movement, or, you know, we can go along with it, or we can just pretend it's not happening and turn away from it and just, you know, go down in flames, so to say. And I've brought a few quotes here because I find them very inspiring. And one is from uh, from Dignatan, who has been, you know, writing about this issue since years and years on end. And there's a very beautiful one of him. He's saying, "When we recognize the virtues, the talent, the beauty of Mother Earth, something is born in us." some kind of connection. Love is born. We want to be connected. That is the meaning of love. To be at one. You would do anything for the benefit of the earth and the earth will do anything for your well-being. And then that's, that's the voice of Dignatan and then here is a man called Arne Ness, a Norwegian eco-philosopher. And he says, he's just a, a scientist speaking now, when we perceive our deeper identity as an ecological self that includes not just us, but also all life on earth, then acting for the sake of our world doesn't seem like a sacrifice. It seems a natural thing to do. So it's about, you know, it's about opening ourselves to this deeper identity through going through the discomfort, going through the dissonance of sitting with all of the feelings which are coming up when we hear this information. Often it's, it's guilt and shock or panic or the many, many different Feelings, and if we can really sit with it, and there is, you know, there's one uh, very uh, wonderful uh, woman who is teaching about this process a lot, Joanna Macy. She also has been teaching at Spirit Rock. She lives in in um, Berkeley, mm -hmm. 
she's in her 80s and you know she's working with this issue since 40 years or so she's a buddhist and um, she brings in a lot of you know buddhist technology the technology of meditation and you know of opening the one's feelings the one's emotions and through digesting them to then know what to do as an as a as an individual because we all have a different role to play and you know she speaks about you know the pain you know opening to the pain for our world and and opening to all of the powerful emotions which can be triggered through this information and not being you know not being ashamed for feeling really really concerned and maybe you know for 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 a few days feeling really panicky about it or feeling really totally disturbed by, about it or totally um sad about it this is all part of the process because it is very very urgent for people to wake up and because there's so much distraction in this culture you know all around the planet there's so much consumerism there's so many opportunities to distract ourselves and the media try to constantly distract ourselves that it is actually not easy you know to stay with the information long enough so that it <coughs> translates into a new way of approaching one's life it it really takes time and it takes a lot of I think samatha, you know, to be able to stay with it. And whenever, you know, you get uh, distracted into whatever, you know, it doesn't all have to be negative distractions, but nevertheless, this is the most important thing we have to pay attention to, more important than anything else. Because if if this uh, course we are on, if we don't come off this course, then... We don't need to do anything else anymore because we won't be here. So we have to, you know, we have to build a resilience to be able to deal with all of the impacts which are on the horizon. And we do have the skills, you know, to keep them in a manage, uh, manageable is maybe not the right word, you know, but keep them, you know, keep the warming to to degrees where, where human beings can still live here. You know, scientists think that we can uh, contain it between 2 to two, 4 degrees Celsius. But if it goes, even, you know, even 2 degrees Celsius is already very, very uh, different way of living than what we live now. Live alone 4 degrees. And if we don't come off course, we're going to go towards 10 degrees by the end of this century. There's no more human being around. So to really, you know, stop long enough to take this in and, you know, and do it also together with other people and, and you know, really realize, you know, we are, we, we can, we can meet this together and we are, today is su such an example, you know, we hear this together, we, we speak about this together. Because we have to meet it all together because we are all together in this. There's nowhere where to go. 
there's some very weird people who think we can go to another planet, but I don't think that's going to work. I don't think there's any planet close enough we can go to. And then it would be only like a few very rich people who could go, so mm -hmm. I'm sure we won't be able to go. So we have to make it work here. Mm -hmm. And also what I found very interesting is, you know, through the through not distracting ourselves and through really, you know, paying attention to how we live, like a certain repulsion mm -hmm. with, with the excess, excess way of how we live, you know, a lot of everything, a lot of this, a lot of that. We can trust, you know, that if we really take in the information that our lifestyle by itself we will we will feel uncomfortable you know with certain things we haven't felt uncomfortable maybe just a few months ago but if we take in the situation you know that because our whole because we are part of nature we are part of the cosmos the, the cosmos you know also gets to know itself through us through human beings because we have this capacity to reflect on what we are doing and because we are part of the cosmos we are part of the universe we are part of that shift if we can really open ourselves up to it and if we can start to see how all of this connects which we will start to see if we really pay attention to certain things will start to become apparent for us then certain things we don't want to do anymore because it doesn't bring us joy anymore. And we don't have to be afraid of that because it is the only way forward. And it might look bleak right now, but you know, if we, if we clear out these channels of, let's say ignorance, you know, that we are really not aware of what we are doing. If we are managing to clear this out through paying more attention, then through this clearing out, we also feel much more connected to the universe itself. We experience ourselves much more as an intimate part of it because we can only live the way we live on this planet because we are not enough connected with it. We are not feeling the pain of it or like Thich Nhat Hanh says you know we are not aware of the crying of the earth because we are deaf to it because we are too kind of invested in doing all the other things and listening to other things but if this you know rather unconvenient information makes us pay more attention if we don't do it for the sake of ourselves, then maybe for the sake of our children or our future generations, you know, then through listening and through, you know, paying attention, we, we also, we have the benefit of feeling more connected. And through feeling more connected, we have much more resilience. It's like, you know, our roots go very, very deep. This is this very big web of life. And we can actually connect into it because we are part of it. And then through that, the strength and the, and the knowing what to do will flow through it. But first, you know, we have to, uh, build the connection. And it's all something, you know, which can be directed by the intention and, and 
by how we put our minds, you know, where we put our minds, do we put our minds <coughs> into, you know, the next thing <coughs> we want to buy, the next gadget, the next car, the next this, the next that, or do we put our attention to, you know, where does this all come from, actually? You know, how does this all work? So, do we go into the depths or do we go into the in, into flatland? You know, it's up to us, really. Because now, if we want to, um, you know, respond skillfully, we have to really go more into the depths. We can't go more, more out, out, out to have more, 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 because it, the conditions have changed. And there's a very good example, you know, of a, of of the Easter Islands, which is which are in the Pacific, far far away from here, between South America and um, Asia, I think. And you know, they had a quite a thriving culture at, at one time, and they had these huge huge monuments, which you have probably seen, these big heads, you know, which were buried half into the ground, and it was huge blocks of um, stone they had to transport from, you know, certain quarries to the places where they were, to the, where they had their shrines. And in order to transport these stones, they needed a lot of trees to roll them on the, the stone blocks on the trees. So they were cutting down all of the trees on the East Island because, you know, the priests got uh, slightly carried away like they often do. And... <laughs> And then they cut away all the trees, and then through cutting away all the trees, all of the soil was washed off. And the whole culture completely collapsed. And I think there's no more East Islanders left, you know. People who are living there are now different, you know, like people who came with boats later on. So that was a, an example which, you know, the, the Captain Cook and the you know, explorers of that time, when they came to the Easter Islands, they had already all died out. There were just like a few people left. And that was once like a very evolved culture. And they had they had not paid any attention because they were so carried away with their power and with their glory that, you know, they kind of completely lost everything. And that's, I think, a good example of what we are doing now on a global level, really. But seeing things in this bigger context can really help us, you know, to, to get the learning opportunity which we are having now. Because it's not, you know, that we are losing something which is worth having. Because this, this process of the universe is all about you know, it's all about evolution and about constant change. And, and you know, we have the tendency that we relate everything back to ourselves. This is just like how it is, you know, when we are ignorant human beings. But, you know, we already have stepped into the Dharma because we have had a certain amount of dissonance in our lives already. Otherwise, we'd never going to come that far that we spent a Friday evening, you know, here with, with three shaved Headed women, somewhere else. So, you know, you can keep on going now. You know, you don't have to stop just with putting your toe into the water. You can go into it. 
deeper because you're already you know already going into the right direction you can go further and you have to go further because this is the only way to go yeah and then also yesterday there was the the independence of america day the 4th of july which is actually sister charity's birthday we hope that she's gonna get her next uh, one visa because she had such a auspicious birthday. <laughs> you know, there were lots of fireworks going on, and because my room is in in the backyard, so there's all of those yards, and I can hear people, you know, celebrating and glasses and cutlery, and I can hear all of the sounds. It, it's, it's very nice, you know. But then at the same time, I was thinking. I was thinking of this beautiful poem here of Rumi, <clears throat> and I thought this is so illustrative of that poem. And he says, he said, he said, sit, be still and listen, for you are drunk, and we are at the edge of the roof. You know, it's exactly what I felt so much yesterday. You know, we are all, we are all celebrating, we are all kind of, fireworks and everything but we are really at the edge of the roof and if we just go one step further we're going to fall down mm. and I think it has always you know the human condition has always been like this because this is a profoundly unstable situation you know old age sickness and death impermanence we never know what's going to happen next it has always been like this but there are <coughs> There are times where this is, you know, where this, where we become more aware of it than others. And, and this is really such a time, like maybe the French Revolution was, you know, where it was, or, you know, the Dark Ages. Or there were, there were always times, you know, when an old worldview broke down and the new one wasn't really formed yet but it was clear that the old one didn't work anymore and conditions came together and it all broke down and there was a lot of calamity and a lot of panic a lot of disaster a lot of people died and um, a big mess you know and and we are now at the brink of 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 something like that again But if we see it in a bigger context, then I, f- I feel and we feel I feel much more equipped, you know, to be able to open to it and to accept it, and and you know have the humility to surrender to it as good as I can, and uh, try you know to see what what is my part in this. What can I do to make it a bit more bearable for everybody else, including myself, and. You know, at least you know to to keep the to keep calm enough so that you know one can try to help other people to see you know the, the bigger meaning of this, which it totally has. And knowing you know that this is a excellent opportunity for practice. Because there's nowhere else you can go to escape it, so 
it's really we are we have cornered ourselves because you know this intelligent process which is called cosmos or universe it wants to go to ever greater complexity and greater embrace of of all that is living and it doesn't shy away from the most powerful means you know to make that evolution happen and if it has to make a climate crisis it will make it it has already made it and you know we can either really open ourselves to that truth and grow with it and through it or we can just kind of you know, despairingly try to distract ourselves and not look. So, you know, I want now over the next more kind of months and so on, I'd like to study more about it and maybe speak some more in other, in other um, evenings because I've, there's lots of good material out there, you know, of people who who are very wise and uh, very connected in and who are working with these issues for many, many years. A lot of Christian people as well. So I'm very interested to um, go deeper into it and, and see... You know, see the... Intelligence of this universe and how it wants to flourish, really. Okay, I stop here.